From the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. It's Tuesday, January 22nd, 2019, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios, live and in the person, Annie F. Downs. Live, live and in the person. I'm in the person, and you forgot to mention what an extraordinaire I am, but because we're standing next to each other, people just know. Yeah, that's right. They just know. Uh, If you're here, you're an extraordinaire. Mm, Uh, Over there on the ones and twos, our illustrious engineer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And all the way from Nashville, Tennessee, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, everybody. Hey, uh, we have a great show in store today. Coming up later, author, professor extraordinaire, <gasps> Lauren Winter joins us. I have us. such a girl crush on Lauren Winter. I love her so much. Yeah. Is she oh one of the smartest gosh. humans alive today? Yeah, probably. I mean, she'd her have to is be. Like, it's the most daunting experience because she's using words you don't understand. Like that, that like she's going back to the Latin or whatever, and you're just. I'm just trying to get through. You know, I got ten questions. I'm trying to get through to the end of it, and she's going off. On, she's bringing up historical context. It, you'll hear the interview. You'll hear me, and uh, and you know, I'm. I, I was I in over his head. He's in over his head. She's she's a yacht just barreling down the causeway. You are on a life raft, holding on by a rope, just barely trying to I'm j- I'm stay just, up. Wow, that's like, mildly it, offensive, Huck. Just riding the wake. It's water skiing, but but the skis are off. My mouth is wide open. I'm getting dragged behind, just bouncing up and down in the surf. Yeah, it's basically if somebody goes tubing with me, you know, and they're back on the tube, it is a white knuckle experience. They're just trying to hold on for dear life. That's yeah. you interviewing yeah. Lauren Winner. Yeah, I'm yeah, not doing exactly. fancy tricks. I'm not trying. I'm not challenging her to go places that she has. No, what am I going to do? White Throw knuckling. Her off you her are game? white knuckling. I'm, yeah. I'm just like, let me just got to get to the end of this. She's just got to say, and that's all I have time for. You're just trying not to drown and sprain your your neck that's all that's all <laughs> oh i can't wait i just adore her she just she's one of the first authors that i read i mean probably f- 10 or 15 years ago that's the yeah. first time you read that's when i learned to read oh wow <laughs> so, it's, it's, you, know, you went to school in georgia let's be fair okay settle down gators i i just like learning she's... how to play basketball by joining the olympic team that's like that's, a very... <laughs> that, yeah, that, that, that's, that's shooting hoops with the 92 dream team is what right. that is yeah what i'm saying is when i read her i thought i didn't know i didn't know poetic and smart went together like this oh wow yeah so, yeah. yeah, really. I mean, she changed how I read and how I write. Wow. Yeah, I love her. It's oh. amazing. She taught you how to read and write. That is very exciting. Award <laughs> winner, Annie F. Downs' tutor. If, I'll say this. She's very smart. And if it was not for her, I would be illiterate. So very grateful. <laughs> very grateful for her campaign to challenge Christian thought in the modern era. And also just literacy for yeah. people that were born below the <laughs> Just common line. literacy. <laughs> She really was among the first uh, kind of memoir, yeah, faith yeah, yeah, journey sure. things that kind of started a, a whole yeah. lane of publishing yes. that you are now well part of. Yes, it was. I mean, she is just, yeah, she was at the start of it. She really was. Her her first 
But Girl Meets God, Girl Meets God. Mm-hmm. was yeah. just it was around the it, era that uh, Blue Like Jazz came out and Don Miller. Yes, and that's it was exactly like, right. Th- I, those two were like the yin and yang, kind of the two books that like defined what God was doing in a generation. You're a hundred percent. I yeah. agree with you. And I, I mean, Mudhouse Sabbath is a fair. I mean, I, I could list all of hers wearing God. I mean, I just I, really. But Girl Meets God, you just didn't. It was when all of this started, when all this genre. I mean, you're exactly right. It's when this genre started and you just went. Oh, that's what this, that's how I can tell a story. That's that she can tell the truth like that. And it's smarter than me and more, just more lovely than anything I've ever written. Yeah. I just am. Wow, I'm getting weird about Lauren Winter. Let's, really, let's, let's not even do the interview. Yeah, let's do, let's just we just interview time. me about Lauren Winter versus actually interviewing Lauren Winter? Because that's going to... It, gonna it was weird. around that time, you know, Blue Light Jazz Girl Meets Guy that me and Tyler released our tome. But again, oh, we right. had just got introduced to Lauren Winter. So it was called right. Read Gooder. It's an illustrated book. It's it, it's, it was it was self it was self published. Yeah, it was self published, and we tried to communicate the best way we knew how, which is essentially our own version of hieroglyphics, just word pictures. Um, just a bunch of word so, pictures. Yeah, exactly. Well, Hugby's still into the graphic novels. That's basically yeah, the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's works. because of Lauren Winter. It's it's honestly because uh, the one interview has really changed my life. That, Can that we, we here. does it here's quiz is they might know lauren winner's middle initial f f she's yeah, lauren I, f winner yeah that's exactly right that's what we're we're, we're, we're best I, friends like that i was recently searching for her twitter handle i don't know why i just was yeah. and, and and typing in lauren winner uh there's many 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 lauren winners and right. so she's the the f winner. Yeah. she's the lauren f winner in case you're looking for her somewhere someone is saying Still that about find her on twitter yeah yeah right hey, oh, can, I, can i also tease something later in the show I can't remember. Tease we, Annie. Out, Emotionally? Yeah, yeah. Tease Annie. Um, <laughs> uh, Annie, your, name, Annie your middle name is F2. Do you <laughs> <laughs> Whose middle name is that? Tease. Um, Tease. No, I'm very excited, Karen. We talked about the listener of the week we have coming up. And yeah. I will say this. like, It's not so much her three facts. I mean, her three facts are somewhat yeah, interesting. They're, they're fine. But she's in a profession that we, we have a lot of questions about. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I don't, I don't even know. Too much very away. excited. Magician? No, 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 no. Shocking no one. Oh. Huck and I don't know what's going on. Yeah, so that's no, really this is exciting. Always news to me. <laughs> well, it was, it was uh, sh- sh- this certain listener replied to us via Twitter and said, hey, if you would like an expert to speak into this thing that y'all talk about a lot, <laughs> oh, I am man. that expert. I cannot wait. I still and, don't know and I cannot wait. And uh, she's coming up later. So wait, you, you don't want to miss see. listener. I don't even want to guess because I don't, I just want yeah, yeah, to be, be shocked. I just want right. to be Same thing. I love that. It's a very cool profession. I'll say that. All right. But this is going to be a lot of fun having you in the studio, Annie. Is this what the second time we've done this? I've never, no, because we've done two live shows. Right. But I've never done like a normal, a normal show in the studio. You're here because you're you're speaking at a conference. (laughs) Yes. And uh, last time you were here, like in October, when you came through, we taped a conversation for Unedited, my new podcast. Yes. And you beforehand, you're a little nervous and you're like, don't make me cry. And I'm like, oh, I'm absolutely going to make you cry. For and sure. You, and you teased cried. her. You teased her. He teased me to tears. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> right. You cried. I did. It was, I it did. was one of the most bullying. It was one of the most touching, <laughs> uh, vulnerable, moving conversations. It was so amazing. And the next day, kind of with a white ashen face, one of our guys uh, <laughs> came and told me that the conversation did not record that the, entire the, that thing. the file was corrupted. Yeah. 
We sent it off to you which timeout? You knew the next day, and nobody told me till last week. Well, number so one, six months, y'all I, known it was gone. <laughs> I didn't want you to be mad at me, first of all, and I don't want to present <laughs> a problem without a solution. Okay, there we go. So it's like <laughs> when I knew you were yeah. able to come back in, you're like, I was by like, the way, oh, by the way, we need to do another edit, unedited because actually, your assistant just said to me, "Hey, while we're here, are you talking about scheduling a regular show or doing your unedited again?" And I said, "What?" Say what? And I was like, "Jesse didn't know because she copied me on that email." <laughs> <laughs> so I had to jump in. But, uh, so we just did. Uh, yeah. Jesse and Tyler, we just did an unedited. So if Annie comes off as kind of emotionally vulnerable or raw right now, it's because we just had a sesh. He just oh. teased me. And, just uh, an entire and, and, and I got to ask. I got to ask. Were there tears? The second Only time once. Around? And it was Cameron. Not true, <laughs> first of all. And it was twice for you and zero times for me. I mean, one time you kind of looked like you were really... Well, hey. A little glassy eyed. The 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 thing that you got to do, I've learned, and I heard a speaker say this once. Like if if there's a if you want to make the audience cry, you need to get to the point of tears, but not cross the line, and then the audience will have the emotional release of the crying. But if you have the emotional release of crying, the audience won't be moved. And so as an interviewer, as an interviewer, I got right up to the edge with you. Yeah, you got it right up to the edge. I saw it. it. You took it over the finish line for me. (laughs) I did not. It wasn't like crying, Jesse. I just, I just had a drip, just one little tear drip out of each eye. That's all. If people want to hear it for themselves, this, this show is going out on Tuesday Unedited with Annie F. Downs went up yesterday, <gasps> Monday. Oh my gosh! It's up. Oh yeah! Oh gosh! So, look, so I already know. It's out wow, he's alley. Wow, so people can go, You know, there's see, not eight see. things I want edited out, but it will be fine. No zero. But it's unedited, so I don't get to do that. Zero. Yikes! So you really have to. So you have to like emotionally like push yourself. You have to conjure. You have to think about. You know, your your dog's dying. You got to think about like being <laughs> loneliness, and then but right there, right when it starts to go to the point of no return, you bring it back with like yeah, like so oh, but. Disney World and she she found herself a couple times and then and then uh, at that moment of the dog dying type thoughts and then would deflect with humor and I was very disappointed. Let me show you how it's done. Let me show you how it's done. Okay, okay, Okay. because you gotta you gotta pause for a second and clear your throat. You gotta go, you know, and that it was right about that time. um, I'm sorry, I just need one second. <laughs> and that's when the crowd it was, loses and, it. And then you say, it was right about that time that I first admitted to Tyler Huckabee, who I agreed to co write this book with, that I never learned to read. <laughs> I, submitted, I submitted some very strange hand drawn pages. And we, were, we realized self publishing was going to have to be the root this time because pretty shocking stuff in those drawings. So that's how it's done, Annie. In the world of relevant doesn't tell me in a series I'd like to call it relevant doesn't tell me anything. I had no idea that the episode was coming out yesterday. Mm-hmm. Wowie zowie. Yeah. I mean that is right now. I mean why not? It's unedited. You don't you, you don't need there's zero prep time. Yeah, there's no work to be done. Just put an intro and an outro. Annie, Annie, it's nothing personal. Relevant does we often don't tell ourselves anything. We just <laughs> you know. I just they'll come into work and like I stayed up last night and built a new website. Hey, I yeah. launched a new division, everybody. Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. Um, I'm not mad about it. I'm just starting a new series. Kind of it was me and Jesse's method for our publishing house too, which is also called unedited. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Really couldn't afford an editor, and no one knows how to decipher yeah, the strange hieroglyphics we've invented. It kind of was turning a bug into a feature, actually, which made a lot of sense.
audience in, right, in, the, sure. in, the, in the whiteboard stage, <laughs> it has not brought in the kind of uh, it has not done the numbers we'd hope. Yeah, Tyler and I stop at the whiteboard stage. We just publish the whiteboard. That's yeah. You know, but exactly. we but our first book was excuse me. Hang on here. Oh my gosh! I was like, I thought you were having a problem with your connection. He's getting oh moved. Oh my gosh! Yeah, he's, he's, this is really. The first book was written by a two-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, it is man. very sweet. Finish the sentence, Tyler. Monkey, a two-year-old monkey. All right, we'll move the show along. Uh, stay tuned. Coming up next, slices. to Emily King. The song is Can't Hold Me. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Moses with Cause You Got Me. It's amazing. Moses is very musical. I thought Aaron would be the more musical one. <laughs> well, this week's episode is brought to you by, once again, our friends at Quip. Uh, starting a healthy routine and sticking to it are two very different things. Inevitably, we all skimp on that full night of sleep from time to time. We might skip a workout or two or brush our teeth with a tired old toothbrush. We're not perfect. We can do better. And Quip is a better (laughs) electric toothbrush that can help. 75% of us use old worn out bristles that are ineffective. But with Quip, brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist recommended schedule every three months for just five bucks. A friendly reminder when it's time for a refresh and to stay committed to your oral health. Quip is one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the ADA. They're backed by over 25,000 dental professionals and they have thousands of verified five-star reviews. And because 90% of us don't brush for a full two minutes or don't clean evenly, Tyler, Quip's (laughs) built-in two-minute timer pulses every 30 seconds to remind you... It, it like it, it pulses every three seconds to remind you to switch sides and help you clean your whole mouth well, I'm evenly. Fine, I don't need the. I can count manually. I love my Quip because it is like I don't know if you've seen it. It's like like the Apple designed. You have one. Yes, I it's love like, it's it. Beautiful and uh, effective. We love it. I love Quip, and over a million other people do too. I will say this though, while you're making fun of Tyler, if wooden dentures made by hand were good enough for our first president. They are darn well good enough for Tyler Huckabee. Continue with Quip. Your beautiful Quip electric toothbrush starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash relevant right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. Get your first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash relevant right now. Go do it. Okay. It's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? Well, I have some unfortunate news for everyone. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Like I hate when it's happens. It's pretty sad. I wanted to... Um, <clears throat> Annie, we lost the other interview. Oh, my gosh. Bad news. Annie, my, we're going to have to do that my, again my for a third time. I've just been notified that the other interview is gone forever. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we're taking that. We're taking that as a sign. Yeah. We're no, not no, doing no, that. No, we're not doing the that real again. news is it's the end of an era on the internet. And this breaks my heart. Oh, I can't wait. I don't know what this is. Okay. So how many people have loved spending an afternoon watching people dance beside their moving car to Drake's and my feelings only to see it roll away from them and smash into a mailbox? I know I've wasted many an evening. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> and by evening, I mean sermons at church with your phones. At right. <laughs> how, how many of you have taken delight in watching people make a sandwich filled with delicious tide detergent pods. I know oh. I have. Oh. That was the weirdest Wait, one. Wait, that happened? The Tide Pod Challenge. Yeah, yeah people, but people were making sandwiches? People were eating them and so then it just kept elevating. I'm, I'm familiar with these. These, these are, so you're talking about like, like staged, yeah. staged pranks. How hilarious is it to see panic rush over the face of a grown person while they're ingesting cinnamon to the point of asphyxiation? It's hilarious. <laughs> it's coming out of their nose. They can't breathe because of the cinnamon. What about, uh, you know, seeing somebody walk through a crowded intersection with a blindfold on or floating down a river doing the bird box challenge? This is what entertainment is in the in the era of the Internet. I haven't and watched Bird Box. Have all y'all already watched it? No, I don't watch scary. Stuff. Well, well, for, well, for those without context, uh, the bird box it, bird box of the film. If a character opens their eyes outside, they see horrific images that it will end with them ending their lives. So people had to walk <gasps> on blindfolds on. And so the bird box challenge is to walk through day-to-day That's life awful. with your blind with a blind. It's basically a rip-off of the quiet place, except the sensory desper, uh, you know, deprivation isn't being able to speak, it's being able to see. to see. So that's the plot of the movie, but the bird box challenge is to go through and there's one there's one dramatic scene where Sandra Bullock blindfolded is able to row down a river. So people are trying to do very difficult tasks while blindfolded. <laughs> well, uh, if you like any of those things, eating Tide Pods, you know, uh, cool ghost riding the whip challenges, you have a mere two more weeks to enjoy them before they are scrubbed from YouTube forever. Really? I mean, that's right. No the way. Fun police, the fun <laughs> police over at Google, uh, you know, after one teenager got in one car accident because she was driving with a blindfold on doing the bird box oh, challenge. No. <gasps> no. No. She was driving no. with it. You are damaged pretty to bad. Me. No way. Hey, that's 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 what content creators do these days. I feel Annie. like this is natural selection. One, <laughs> if, if you're a YouTube influencer, a, a new car is like that's like me going out to buy a Snickers bar. Thank it, you. It costs, it's nothing. Victimless crime. Uh, but but I will say this: um, it, it, the the fun police at YouTube have announced a, a new policy that bans content. This is a quote. Uh, that encourages violence or dangerous activities that may result in physical harm, distress, or death. Guess what? Distress, physical harm, and maybe even death. That's all the videos I watch. I want to watch cool stunts. I am a person who has listened to Nickelback for a week straight. This in the very room where you are sitting in right now, Annie. Yes. We pumped 
we pumped a, a fog machine full of essential oils to I potentially remember. toxic levels for the entertainment of people on the internet. This is an outrage. This is an outrage it still smells for people it. like it still us smells it in here. Who, who have used this trend to do good things in the world. Okay? You can't... Of course it's going to be distressing. Of course listening to Nickelback for two, for a week is extra, distressing. Of course staying up you know, for 48 hours to watch Nicolas Cage movies, it's distressing. That's the point. That's why it's funny. <laughs> this this policy goes too far. To me, YouTube's over. All the content I want to watch, I want to. Does that mean all the sweet parkour uh, videos I want to watch are 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 gone? Because that in, that parkour. you know encourages me to try. <laughs> Listen, if it wasn't for those parkour videos, I wouldn't have had a double ankle sprain trying to do a sweet uh, move <laughs> off uh, the dumpster behind my grocery store. Okay, so so now it's YouTube's fault. Now it's YouTube's fault. Guess what? I got one of those cool little scooter things I could wheel around on. You know what I'm talking about? The little things you put one knee on. And pedal yeah, around. Like, yeah, yeah. Listen, if you had a double sprain, that means you're pounding the the one one of your sprains. You yeah. can't do that. That seems like a it seems like a miss on the doctor's part. It was part. that and a rollerblade, Cameron, and everywhere <laughs> oh, I went, a rollerblade. <laughs> um, That's so surprising. They're doing all of that. That feels like a. I do feel like that feels like a big jump to do. Yeah. To get rid of two all. thoughts. I agree with Chandler. This is strictly natural selection. If you're that stupid, then you <laughs> yeah, know whatever. You, you yeah. deserve it. But, Don't tell um, Ken Ham. But this is Darwinism at work. <laughs> yeah, but but two, like th- it really is. Uh, the second that a free or a platform that people can create and post their creations on starts saying what creations are acceptable or not. You know, within the bounds of decency. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying. I think they've whatever. just decided this is out of the bounds of decency. But, but I, it's gonna. It, I agree with Jesse. This beginning of the end for YouTube. A, a new yeah. platform will emerge that nature, people will nature use. Nature pours a vacuum. Yeah, it's gonna be some Russian hosted site where people can upload all the insane stunts they want. Some other know? video platform like a Vimeo or what's something the, will take a boost. Now. What's the What's the catalyst? Did someone die? No, no one died, but it's the bird box challenge was the catalyst. Oh, got that it. too many people were walking through traffic or trying to drive their car with a blindfold on. No one died. There was one fender bender. There was one fender How bender. How come a lot more people didn't try the quiet place challenge? It's not it's not really visually compelling. But it sure makes people shut up. This would actually be a and I hope I hope Putin isn't listening here, but this would be a good usually Russian is. like Create your own social media video streaming site that is explicitly, expressly designed for life-threatening challenges for Americans to perform. <laughs> a, you start knock, taking out American voters, you don't even have to worry about hacking the system anymore. It's, <laughs> right. it's, exactly. it's like self-extinction. I mean, but, I mean, like honestly, it'll just move over to Facebook videos. Or, or, or something Facebook. like MySpace will come back with a new purpose. You know, like yeah. it'll be the place where... You Does know, Justin Timberlake still own MySpace? I think so. He's just he, He's like a part it. owner. Yeah, I think he's a part owner. That was a good. That was a good. That was a good, that was a good it. No, they tried to do something with it. Yeah, just yeah, nobody, but now he, it's said, not like he sold nah. it. He's just like, eh, no. let's just. It was such you know a poor what? investment. Let's... He he literally had to become a man of the woods. He had to sell his house. He's just <laughs> he's living out in the wild now. Yeah, my who thought MySpace was a great investment? You know, like yeah. they were trying to do some music thing. We already have solutions for that. This is his chance. If if Timberlake wants to get back in the in the Silicon Valley game. 
right? This yeah. is his chance. Yeah. All great ideas are because there is a, a vacuum of felt need, right? So suddenly there's this vacuum created. We got two weeks to go soak in, you know, videos of people Download. jumping off a How trampoline into an above ground pool. Algorithms. I mean, and just like, but like, is there some poor intern who's just going to sit and like watch the video and like delete they actually you? Said, delete they you. actually said the moderators are going to now. One of the stories I read this Ugh, morning about this brutal. is like their moderators are already overwhelmed. Now yeah. they have to go be the ones who have to make the determinations. Like if I wanted to set three trampolines up and jump from lily pad to each one that ends in an above ground pool in a much too far distance for me to even come close to reaching. Now some now some pencil-pushing nerd at YouTube gets to decide if the world gets to see me tear my ACL. No thanks, YouTube. I put it all on the line, literally. You know, it's it, it's just, uh, you know, I get I get that the world is becoming more litigious, you know, and that, and that people will find a way to maybe, you know, I, I'm sure they're doing it for legal reasons, but this is, I got a news for YouTube. This mm-hmm. is why people watch YouTube. <laughs> like, if I want to <laughs> yeah. watch well-produced content that, that, that people uh, post things that pose no risk to their harm, I got Netflix. It's, you know, most of it's pretty good. If I want to watch some weird guy try to ride a bicycle over a, a lake of extremely thin ice, I'm going to YouTube and Jesse, I'm going to enjoy it. Relevant does have a YouTube channel of like good, thoughtful content. So we do want to encourage people to see that on YouTube. Of course, of course. But, <laughs> but that, but that content, I mean, we also have on our site there. Yeah. Look, yeah. is there great content on YouTube? But day to day, I'm saying day in, day out. <laughs> Part of the reason I go to YouTube is to see people either get hurt or try something awesome. I can't watch at the that stuff. That makes my stomach yeah, hurt. I I'm not Do you really? Can you watch it, Huck? Yes, I can. I also think that there is sort of a case here in which I think that two people do something called the Bird Box Challenge, and then somehow the the like like NBC or, or Fox News gets a hold of it and like, look what the kids are up to these days. Now they're blindfolding themselves and, and throwing themselves into like, ha- like hail of gunfire or something. They make it sound way bigger than it is. Like, a, like it's a new trend yeah. and it's not a new trend. It's just a bird box challenge. But them posting about it then creates, it's like an omnivore. Yeah. It's, cre- it's a self-creating site. If you could, what Google needs to do is tell adults to relax the kids are okay. They're not going to. They're, they're not going to drive themselves to their own extinction, and uh, and then I don't think you're going to have the same level of bird box challenge stunts. And if you do, like Jesse said, still pretty entertaining. My 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 thing is like like throttle it. Like don't block it because again, it's like almost like a, a child. You say no to this, then they throttle want it. To, what does that mean? To do that thing, it makes you want to do that thing more. Throttle it. Like if if they want it to not be uh, you, you know, viral or ubiquitously spread on their platform, they can identify those types of videos and just throttle the reach of those videos, yeah. oh, limiting sure. it without eliminating it. Don't even make an announcement. Just make them not successful. Just change the algorithm. And, and then when they're not successful, people stop posting them. People because they want to post, right? They could have totally coerced this behind the scenes and nobody would this wouldn't be news and now we're all going well then i'm gonna find a new place to post my videos you know what i mean it's like surely google wouldn't be legally responsible for somebody who gets injured doing something that they're going to post to youtube i can't see i can't think of what in no way could they be seen as encouraging this 
I think everyone needs to realize what the stakes are here. Yeah. And the stakes are some, watching someone dance down the side of the road going, Kiki, do you love me? And to see a sheer panic rush over their face when they realize that the car that is moving with no one behind the wheel is going much too fast for them to try to jump in. And all you see, all you hear is a scream, them footsteps running, and then the car smash into a parked police car. Those are the stakes, people. That's what we're risking to lose from the internet forever this we need, is like, important we need really firmly defined that because like i'm thinking about like bloopers on uh like on movies where like the boom mic falls over and hits you on the head is that yeah. now also gonna be is like that, that's yeah. an injury uh, yes sure. are the snowflakes gonna be triggered by that now <laughs> who knows who knows youtube who knows this the is the stakes are incredibly high speaking of i found up uh, i i think Probably many of our listeners will be, will be familiar, and I think most of you will be too, with the old uh, 1980s BBC Narnia series. Yes. They did that for Remember oh those? Gosh, they had like yes. the Zubilee Zoo costumes. My like, mom like, made me watch that. I <laughs> love Zubilee Zoo so much. I found on, on YouTube, of course, uh, the bloopers. The, unre- the bloopers are existing, they exist on YouTube. And watching, there's a lot of good ones on there, including like, you know, malfunctions with Aslan's big puppet head or whatever. Uh, But the best ones were definitely the beavers who, if you remember their costumes, they were kind of like little cocoons. Like they didn't really have use of their arms or feet. So they kind of just wobble around these two fully grown adults in in beaver (laughs) costumes that limit their mobility down to shuffling basically with their feet. In one of these videos, Mr. Beaver waddles himself off camera and you immediately hear this. And then the the camera pans over and he has fallen and slidden down a snowdrift because he can't use his arms. (laughs) I saw a really funny one, too. The guy by Mr. Tumnus got mauled by an actual lion on set. Oh, man, I couldn't believe it. That was just unbelievable. Didn't see that coming. I kind of had a weird crush as a kid on the fox on Zubilee Zoo. I loved Zubilee Zoo. Did y'all watch it? No. No, no, I don't know. Anybody, I don't I don't woke Cut it out, Chandler. Me. Nobody, nobody knew <laughs> Zubilee Zoo. It was a Georgia thing. I love that guy. I can't okay. say there was any there was any like uh, romantic awakenings that I had watching it, but I did. But I did watch the show. Yeah, I did. I'm familiar with the show. But uh, I'm gonna look that up. Zoo Zubilee Zoo. Bull. Yeah, I just thought wasn't it a fox? The kind of he was like the athletic. He was very one. dramatic. He was like theatrical. I think yeah. he owned a. He like. Oh my. Oh my. Yeah, Zubilee uh, Zoo was great. No, no. Zubilee, uh, y'all need to Zoo. Google the Magic Zubilee Zoo Wonder fox to see what you. Annie's um, romantic <laughs> oh boy. yearnings as a young girl. <laughs> I need to look before at. It we was, let this happen. It was a thing. Yeah. No, that's not the one. That's not no, the one. Hold on. That's not the I one. I hope it is. No, no, no. Hold on. Let me find the right character. It wasn't the fox. Oh, the fox is. Oh, it was I the bear, it, surely. It was the bear. The You're bear, right. It was right? the bear. He's kind of he's kind of cool. He's got a little baseball cap on. It was the bear. Yeah. It's kinda, it's Either way, I, I fear young Annie was a deviant if she was had <laughs> oh some attraction goodness. to these. She was a furry. She was early yeah. to the furry scene. The oh no, that's terrible. You can't say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the bear. It's for sure the bear. I apologize. I, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to to imply the bear. Uh, the yeah, the like, bear. He was so fun. He was just fun. Oh my gosh! You should look him up. Like, where is he now? And then maybe yeah. and hit, just call him. Just yeah. hit him up. Yeah. Ironically, mauled by a lion. 
my line tragically in a YouTube in a hilarious Man. YouTube clip. All right, I'm uh, moving, moving slices along. I know Annie said before the show, she <gasps> said is the best slice she's ever brought, so we're going to save it for last. Okay. So what oh. do you have, Huckabee? Okay, I, I'm going to do a. I want to do. I, I do have a slice. Before I get to my slice, I do have. I have a quick update on an old oh, slice great. that we've covered on this program that I think is worth revisiting. Jesse, do you remember a couple weeks ago when you brought the slice? about the woman in Germany who allegedly yeah. lied about her age. She said that she was the world oldest woman. World yeah. oldest woman, 122 yeah, years yeah, yeah. old. And then yeah. some and then some Russian nitwit, some Russian group of scientists who A just couldn't leave well enough yeah. alone yeah. decided to to blow her cover. Yeah. Yeah. Long after she's well. dead. Long after she died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blew it's not her nice. cover. Well there is the, the the drama continues. This story is not done yet. Oh, because um, now, in America, here where the real scientists are, they are calling <laughs> they're calling the bluff of the Russian uh, old people <gasps> scientists research and saying that they stand by the fact that this woman lived to be 122 years old. And moreover, they are accusing Russia of having kind of sour grapes that they want the world's oldest person record for themselves. And they're so they're so bent out of shape that of this woman in France actually got to it first, that they're trying to discredit her using flimsy evidence and a fake non peer reviewed study that they submitted and going in fudging with Wikipedia details to add a whole section about a controversy that didn't actually exist until they drummed it up. And they went as far as to call the FBI, the American FBI on our own American scientists <laughs> to say oh that they gosh. were trying to create, what a waste they, of that time. they were like disparaging the Russian old people science okay, community. Okay. So, so let me get this straight. We have, uh, 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 Russian agents uh, manipulating in internet information and colluding with American intelligence agencies uh, in favor of, of of something they want. This sounds too outrageous to be real. <laughs> this could never happen, Tyler. <laughs> Much less with the stakes so high. This could never possibly happen. No, the, uh, no I think the update is but I will we'll obviously stay abreast of this story. But sure. I do think it's worth noting that as of right now, according to the scientists here stateside, uh, Clement did live to be 122 years old, and there was mm. no there was no fudging of the details on her part. So, mm. but that is not my slice. My slice was, and, and Jesse, I think you saw this. We wrote about this on the site. But there was a study from Lifeway that tried to figure out why young people are leaving the church. Yeah, what's the what's the yeah. primary the primary motivation for young people to leave the church? Um, does anybody? Let's see who Jesse. You saw this, and I'll ask you. Do you have any guess as to what the number one? The number one reason was disillusionment, like uh, just unhappy with the church. I think like hurt, hurt with or leaders. Yeah, or we're just like we're, we're just too fresh off of unedited. Know. We literally were just talking about <laughs> this. So I'm like, uh, people being disappointed with God. No, I, can you? How about this? Can you give me top three? Can you give me three options and I'll pick the rest one? Well, can we make guess. it a game? I got to guess. All the fun youth group da- games that risk bodily harm are now uh, not appropriate. No, in I, the chubby bunny. Era. I think yeah. chubby bunny has been disqualified from all youth groups, hasn't it? I don't think yeah. they can play that anymore. I, I, don't, I don't think there's an enforcement. Enforcement body about that. I, I don't think you can ban something like from all youth groups. I think that like when you make announcements to all the youth pastors, there's like an email to every youth pastor of like no more chubby bunny. And yeah. that's going to make all the people renegade choke. youth pastors want to do it people more. Choke. You can't tell people no. <laughs> there, although some of those youth group games we pay, looking back on some of those, I was like that. That was just 
that was just straight up abuse. Like they were just, like, <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. Like I don't want to drink all that mouthwash and toothpaste like, after don't, everyone. Don't make me do this for your, around. for your pleasure. Right? What kind of sicko are you? This is very strange to be forcing young children to be doing these things. But no, the games did not come up. And actually, it's it's a little bit di- difficult to do your uh, your top three, Annie, because uh, most people cited more than one reason. It's it's rarely just oh. that you know that one thing. I thought um, you picked two stupid things and one real thing, and I would get wrong. I played out the whole thing. <laughs> uh, almost every respondent cited uh, just like some, some sort of basic life change, like just their you know whether it's college or whether it's moving, oh, uh, sure. finding some sort of church just didn't really work into their their so, new life. So they, so they, a lot of them didn't leave in a huff. It's just like oh, I moved and I didn't find a new church, and yeah. now it's been three years. It's like I, a life change, and then they didn't know where to go after said life change. Feels sort of yeah, maybe not super relevant to their new to to the new life that they said. Would those people say that they probably still believe and would identify as as you know an active Christian? They just oh, I looked up and it's been two and a half yeah. years. This particular study, Lifeway study, didn't actually uh, get into that, but it did say that many people who drop out, even if you drop out for for a year or three years, uh, yeah. most people who leave eventually at some point down the road do end up going back to church uh, oh, after wow. another life change. Uh, oftentimes because of uh, having kids. Kids. kids will be like, oh, I need to get back to the, you know, I need, now I got, now I'm a parent. I should probably get my yeah, act together. I just had a conversation with a friend who was going to church and she said, I haven't been to church in like a year and a half because of the, when the baby naps, she was like, I just oh. didn't, I, and so it wasn't even that, like she would have taken that survey and said, I'm not going to church right now, but it's because my baby naps at the exact right time of every service that our church offers. And so we just haven't been. But that that, that said, there like are some out. more, uh, some less Could like be. salubrious but, reasons. But, but, but before you get to those, I mean, it is interesting that, you, you know, I guarantee if you ask those same people like, hey, you know, because you moved, did you find a new grocery store? Did you, you know, find a new coffee shop that you like? Did you, you know, find a new gym? Like, but, but uh, finding my, a church my, community is yeah, a little different on, than finding a grocery store. No, no, but, but what I'm saying is, what I'm saying, is, my point is this, though. It, like, yeah, it's more difficult, but at the same time, it should be at the same level of priority, theoretically. Like, theoretically, if a lot of people say church plays a role in, the li- in their life, that um, y- y- if it does play a role in their life, like they say it does, it should be priority number one. Like, no matter, and I'm not judging, I'm just saying, I'm just playing kind of like devil's yeah, advocate. I don't, I don't, with like, listen, oh, I, I, there's been periods of my life where it's been hard to, get, to go to church or find a new community. But at the same time, like, I feel like the church you made everybody play chubby be, bunny and they wouldn't much come back. Yeah, it should be able to find a, a way to position itself. Where, but in this, era, but Jesse, in this era, you know this. I mean, like, there's so you know maybe 20 years ago, that's like the primary way that you would get spiritual uh, experience. Only, really, yeah. You know, but now it's like you can put a worship playlist on Spotify. You can w- watch sure. the best you know church services in the world online you can and so it's like oh life's busy or i don't really want to put down roots in this new city that i know i'm only gonna be here for two years or whatever it's like so it's like you get your spiritual nourishment other ways and you not through community and then all of a sudden it you look up and it's been two or three years. And you visiting churches, y'all have done this it's too when daunting. you moved. Visiting churches, oh, trying different ones, and especially is like really if you're in a city hard. by yourself. Yeah, I mean, if you and your spouse or something, it's one thing. But like you to go by yourself, it's like you're, it's it's hard. It's like easier to just kind of like yeah, just stay yeah. home. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's right. Because cr- if I'm picking between Kroger and Publix, who cares? Who cares? Yeah, and yeah. I, I've got to, f- I have to eat, but I can watch my old church from home 
on and I can even, live stream. even if I'm committed, I can still send my tithe back home. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. you know, so it's like, and then you kind of go, well, I'm just kind of, you know, I'm a transplant for a little while and eventually, yeah. but that's my church home. And then, so like, you don't want to cheat on your church almost, you know? Yeah. But, but at the same time, uh, and again, I'm kind of sort of playing devil's advocate here for the sake of the, the discussion, but Annie, to your point, like, oh, look, <laughs> I love I'm not that, Jesse. You're like, you guys, you guys, you guys don't get mad at me. I don't really believe this. <laughs> no, no, it's not that I don't really believe it, but I, but I do think there's a point to say, you, you know, like Annie, when you say, well, of course I got, of course I got to pick one of these grocery stores. I got to eat. You know, I think a lot of people, I think there's a large amount of people in ministry that would be like, well, that, you know, you, you got to be plugged in. Like you got to find a place. Yeah, but, but if you go back to the biblical community, it was not what we have in America, obviously. And so then there's a very defensible worldview to say, if I have a community of fellow believers that I that I live life with and I'm getting spiritual nourishment from books and podcasts and videos and things like that like the the going and sitting on the back row of a sanctuary where I'm entertained for an hour and 15 minutes and then I leave and didn't talk to anybody like there there's a there's a case to be made that you know do not forsake the gathering together of believers it's like well I I do I I live in community with people who are on a spiritual journey as well. We talk about things that are more than just superficial. We're growing together on this journey and I'm finding other sources of spiritual challenge and encouragement and, 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 and all that. And that I don't get the same fulfillment from sitting on the back row of a church by myself where nobody talks to me, you yeah. know? And yeah. so it's like, what's true community here? Yeah. You know? and I mean, I'm, literally on a teaching team at a multi-site church and I wouldn't expect someone to pick a church before they get settled in a city and get a grocery store. And I, I, my, I, if I was like a laying down the law woman, as most cowgirl extraordinaires are, I would say, you know, when you've moved somewhere new or you have a new system in your life within four to six weeks, you should be going after the things that matter most to you. You should have it. Yeah. Cause to me, the closer parallel Jesse to a church would be a gym. Because you're trying to pick a place where you're going to invest over and over again that has what you are looking for to make you who you want to be, that has peers around you that are making some of the same decisions. That feels like a when you move to a new city, you should probably... Because you can go to a new city and you can run around your neighborhood. You can do workouts online. You can get your exercise, but it's not the same as joining a gym. And so both those things should probably be in place within a few weeks of you being in a new city because it almost tells you as much as it tells everybody else, I am committed to staying here. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and, and that's that I think is is my point. Like, you know, there are any life change presents a reason not to do anything. That is a challenge or difficult, whether it's having a kid, whether it's moving, you know, what yeah. you like. But I do think there is a case to be made that even if it's temporary, it, it can be extremely beneficial to find a place of spiritual community, like Cameron was saying, where there's something kind of informal or whether it is with the church. I do think no matter what position in life you are or how maybe kind of inconvenient it may be, the benefits outweigh the cost even if it is something informal. And I think in order to, to what churches need to take away from that. And I do want to get to their numbers in the study because they are interesting, Yeah. but to combat that. And I, I know any, your church has worked really hard on this is offering Like the local church can offer things that you can't get online that you can't get from a podcast or, or from yeah. Spotify. Unfortunately, many churches, not all, but many churches choose not to really focus on those things because yeah. so much of their time and attention is devoted to the Sunday morning service 
which can be replicated in from the comfort of your own home and and oftentimes can be done a lot better from the comfort of your own home depending on what you're looking for but churches can provide community they can provide opportunities for outreach uh ways to get involved in other local parts of your community that don't have to do with church uh, yeah. local ministry helping other people. These are things that are very, very difficult to do without the help of a local church. Uh, not impossible, but difficult. And I think churches need to pivot to understanding that in the digital era, those are things they can provide that have a much higher value yeah. benefit than uh, just trying to make sure that they're keeping up with whatever John Mark Comer yeah. is able to put online with his podcast. But I will not miss one of those because I love that dude. Oh, I love. I'm, I'm not saying anything. I this do. is not me knocking John Mark. I'm saying that he's so good at his job. Don't look at me funny. I think he's awesome. Tyler, yeah, how mean, dare you? What did he do to you? <laughs> he's no. He's no bear from Zoobly Zoo. I'll just well, say that. Let's just say yeah, right. Right. Yeah, right, right. He's no Lauren Winner. Yeah. We're just really stacking my professional, um, professional loves today. Crushes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because John Mark's married. It's not like a thing. I just yeah. think his teaching is yeah. so he, awesome. Yeah, he's I agree. He did one. It was so, you know, it, it was it was so like culturally, you know, in tune. It was the bird box sermon. And he, <laughs> believe it or not, I unfortunately, he, he preached an entire sermon with the blindfold on. Actually, it was, he just stood there with both hands on the pulpit. Uh, but still, but still, man, the ultimate me, bird box you know, the sermon was called Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. Oh, well done. Heart, it was wow. Um, wow. Look, I was talking to a friend last night and he was saying he's he's really struggled with some of his experience at the local church. And and he said that, that his family started going to a uh, Salvation Army church. He said, because they just they just do so much else that it isn't about this big Sunday morning thing. It's about all these other and things they that they do. Uniforms. They have great uniforms. Really and the do. bell section is just unstoppable. Yeah, I'm like, the hand Bells. Get outside during Christmas. But, no? Yeah, I just think I think giving people permission to like do that, Huck, especially in the over in the in the window of time where before they connect to a local church in a meaningful way, there are other ways to to get that muscle exercised. Yeah, yeah. I think. Um, the some of the other numbers that they found here: seventy three percent of people who live church did say that it had to do with a church or pastor related reason. That yeah. caused them to leave, which is probably no surprise. A third said they felt churches were hypocritical or judgmental. Uh, I was surprised it was just a third, actually, but I suppose that's not like it's not negative news. Yeah. Um, but seventy percent said they drop out for a political or ethical reason mm. uh, because oh, wow. they felt like the church was too closely identified with certain political causes that they didn't oh. want to be associated I would, with. I would agree with that. And then twenty two percent said they were just going to church to please someone else, and uh, I guess oh, wow. they decided, decided to stop trying to please that person. No. <laughs> Give me just a second. A spouse or a uh, yeah, it's a parent probably. And then you I mean, go to like college, you go you one time, you notice the bear from Zoobly Zoo sitting on your row. <laughs> you're a lot like the bear from Zoobly Zoo. You're coming you back. You had a bad experience on Bird Box Sunday. You <laughs> fell in the baptismal tank, and your spouse got stuck in the drum cage, and it was you know just cage. a bad, just a bad idea all the yeah. way around. All right, what do you have, Annie? This you, is, guys, you said this was this the is, best uh, slice you've ever brought. I'm oh, standing man. up for oh, I it. I can't wait. Did you know? Jesse, do you agree that this is one of my top best slices ever? I will let the audience decide. <laughs> oh, shoot, shoot. That's terrible. The slices are has spoken. <laughs> this is real life Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, you guys. The Peeps Factory never lets anybody in. You know, Peeps at Christmas and yeah. Easter, mainly Easter. Christmas. They do have my Christmas, but Easter is what they I meant. Do? At Easter, I'm even looking at Chandler. That's how much I care about this slice. <laughs> they are... Never make a contact they have with Chandler. Never... <laughs> 
<laughs> open their factory ever. Can, to I, let can people I tell you see? a reason why, Annie, they've never opened their factory? Because yes, there's Jesse. only one thing grosser than the texture of eating a peep, and that's seeing one like shooting out of a little you tube. You wish you knew. It, it you don't like, even know. Yeah, just, <laughs> <laughs> just all day long. Just, y'all are just making assumptions because no one has ever been inside the peep factory well, except peep since workers. 1953. What if it's Oompa Loompas? Just uh, like Willy Wonka. We uh, don't know. Yeah, yeah. Since 1953, no one has been inside. And now the company who actually makes them is called just born confections and so now just born has partnered with the united way in uh bethlehem pennsylvania where this is and that you can enter the contest to win and you get airfare and hotel i wish theater of the minds cameron's face is like and i'm like cameron you just go see a factory stuff on a conveyor belt it it's is gonna be the most underwhelming contest winning <laughs> you don't know <laughs> is you, it in a cool location where's the peep factory located but listen airfare hotel for the winner and three guests but let me tell you what i was gonna enter and invite the three of you and now no, definitely yeah. not you. Probably I'm not you, Jesse. Huck, you're still in. You're still in. No, I do I, notice I that. entered the contest because it was they actually. I saw the, the these these ads for it, and it was like win a free trip to Bethlehem, <laughs> and I was like, no way, that'd be totally awesome. And then in five go to Israel, said, yeah. Pennsylvania, <laughs> Bethlehem, to the peak factory. Pennsylvania. Here's what I'm factory. saying: is all you have to do. You all you have to do is donate five dollars, okay. and. And so, you right. get entered in. The, it's unitedwayglv.org slash peeps. Let me tell you why I'm reading that. Because I want all of our listeners to enter. And I just want to be one of the guests. I just want to be one of the four who gets to go. You can take two of your friends and take your Annie. You know, That's it. You know, Hershey's has a whole theme park, right? It's great. You, I've you, been there. Okay. There is. What do this we not know? This will not be as good as that. You don't know. You are. You can't. It is going to be a a very. It's going to be a factory. You're you going to see a conveyor belt with little things squirting on it, and then you're you, going to go. Oh, and then oh, there's the packaging. I, see. Machine. I left off the most important part. Okay. My apologies. You also get two hundred and fifty dollars to the Peeps store. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Now uh, you're in bucks. No, two hundred and fifty <laughs> peep bucks. That's a, actually the, the conversion rate on that's pretty bad. That's only twenty five dollars, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's two hundred and fifty peep bucks. Yeah, it's you guys. It is. I cannot wait. I want to win so much. You have to enter by April 8th. Annie, Annie. And the winner will be notified April 12th and then officially announced April 18th. What will y'all do if I win? What and will then, you do? Then, Is that not when the you coolest? Win, Annie, Annie, when you Tamar, win, I'm going to go tell my old me. bedridden grandpa. Yeah. And he's going to run. And he's going to for the first. He's been laying in bed for the past like, 10 <laughs> years. Get never dance. get to. And he'll like slow. It'll ride. It'll be very exciting. I, I'm really pulling for this because it's going to heal his. It, we need him to help us work. It. We're, we're very poor. We, the iron. The irony is his his grandfather was ridden by diabetes, so it is just one <laughs> sick joke that that you're going to ridden ridden by diabetes, like like a cowboy rides a horse, or riddled <laughs> by diabetes. <laughs> the diabetes the diabetes rode him into bed. It was you know he 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 overdosed on peeps his whole life. All I'm saying is this is the coolest thing I've ever found on the internet. I mean what. La- Oh, I can't believe it. I'm so excited. I want to win Again, so bad. Hershey's has an entire theme park. But and you think anyone the can thing? go. Anyone can go. This, no one has done this. They're for yeah, sure going to make it extra cool. Have you ever thought about the fact that nobody, they've never opened up to the public because it's so underwhelming. Nobody would want to go. That's what they said about Willy Wonka. That's what they said about the chocolate factory. Remember, it was, just a, April a really box. it was just a cement box. And inside were, was a river of chocolate. 
Inside was bubble gum that tasted like every part of your meal. I think inside like, was a bubble hall that you could float to the top when you, you ever drank see the, the secret soda. life of pets. The Secret Life of Pets. Inside was an elevator that went in every direction. Did you ever see The Secret Life of Pets? Inside was Oompa Loompa. Did you see The Secret Life of Pets? No. The dogs on their journey home wander into the sausage factory. And I think if you ever see that scene, that's what's (laughs) in your head about what will happen into the Peeps factory when you go. But it is not going to be like that. I'm just saying. If that's the greatest thing you've ever seen on the internet, I will send you a video of a dude bro in an Ohio (laughs) State jersey and a backwards hat almost choked to death by trying to eat a soup ladle full of cinnamon. You better hurry and send it. You only got two weeks. It is hilarious. (laughs) I'm just saying, when I win this, I I had a big dream. I had a dream that it would be us. And we went and we did a show. I don't know that I can invite y'all now because there was none of the enthusiasm except Huck. You're still on the list. You get to decide. I'm I'm looking this up right now and... I'm seeing something that I was not aware of. The Peeps Factory also makes Mike and Ike's hot tamales. And I'm a, I actually do. I love hot tamales. It's one of my favorite. It's on my Mount Rushmore of candy. I'm a bit, we won't yeah. get into candy talk here, but yeah. hot tamales are good. And also something called Goldenberg's Peanut Chews. Anybody do? Are those the, the squishy peanut? Three of the four candies they make gosh. are hard pass. <laughs> Goldenberg. Say them again. Goldenberg. Goldenberg peanut chews. If those are those golden orange little like can't like there's something that your octogenarian neighbor gives you at Halloween. No, no, no. They look like they're like chocolate bars. Oh, oh, I don't know what those are. Those are I don't the either. Least, I've never seen successful. Them yeah. Part of also, while you're here at the Pete factory, don't forget to see the other terrible candy we make. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Lauren Winter joins us. Wake up. Well, this week's episode is also brought to you by Blinkist. It's an app that lets you read the key lessons from over 2,500 nonfiction books in 15 minutes or less. Sometimes it's hard uh, to keep up on your reading with work and all the other things going on in life. And that's why I'm excited about this app. I highly recommend it. I've used it. Uh, Blinkist. It's going to help you be more mindful every day. Blinkist is the only app that takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books, and condenses them down to just 15 minutes so you can read or listen to them. Uh, It's made for busy people like you who want to get the main points out of the books quickly without reading the entire book. Uh, With an audio feature, Blinkist makes it so easy to finish four books a day while you're on the go. 8 million people are using Blinkist right now, and it has a massive and growing library from self-help, business, health, to history books. Uh, I actually, I downloaded um, The 7 Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. I uh, downloaded The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss, and also The 4-Hour Body, because I'm very interested in having a 4-Hour Body. Uh, I downloaded Start With Why by Simon Sinek. It's crazy how you can extract all the great stuff from those books in this new form with Blinkist. I love it. Well, right now, Blinkist is offering a special offer for Relevant Podcast listeners. You can go to Blinkist.com slash Relevant to start your seven-day free trial. That's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash Relevant to start your seven-day free trial. That's Blinkist.com slash Relevant. 
Lauren Winner is a historian, speaker, associate professor of Christian spirituality at Duke Divinity School. Maybe you heard of it. And the author of the new book, The Dangers of Christian Practice, which revisits the roots of church traditions, not only to find out how they can negatively impact culture, but also how modern Christians can correct them and find a new way forward. Here's part of our conversation with Lauren Winner. What gave you the idea to write something about dangers of Christian practice? So, in a certain way, I started thinking about this book um, in, like, 2000, (laughs) a long time ago. Um, I wrote a book review for Books and Culture, which was still going strong at that point, um, of blessed memory. And it was a review of a book by a historian named Mary Rubin, who's one of the historians that I really rely on in the Eucharist chapter. And it's a book called Gentile Tales, um, where she lays out the history of the host desecration um, narratives and host desecration violence. Mm -hmm. And I had been a Christian for maybe two years. I grew up Jewish, and I had been baptized maybe two years before this. Um, And I knew in some general way that there was anti-Judaism in the church and that the church had done violent things to Jews. And I knew in a general way um, that there had been a lot of violence in the medieval era, but I knew nothing about the specific host-desecration accounts. I knew about blood libel charges, you know, the charges that, yep. But I didn't know about host-desecration violence. I'd never heard of it. And I read this book and was, I think, devastated is not too Mm. strong a word. and, you know, part of that was highly autobiographical. Like, I was still very much in the space of making sense of my own conversion um, to Christianity as a, as a Jew. Um, but I think, so it was sort of like given an intensity by my autobiographical context. But I, I found it, I think, beyond the autobiographical, horrifying to see that this violence was lodged in the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Um, And when I became Christian, I was baptized in the Church of England, and I was very much drawn to Anglican Christianity um, because I was very drawn to the Eucharist. And it felt, even though when I was baptized, I couldn't really told you very much about the Eucharist, I had a strong intuitive sense that whatever church I was going to participate in was was going to be a church where Eucharistic practice was really central. Mm -hmm. And so to see that the Eucharist was being deployed to these violent ends really rattled me. Um, So the book sort of began then, and then some years later, I came to Duke and very much encountered the the work and person of Stanley Harawas and a, a general approach to Christian ethics that really connects how we think and talk about ethics and the shape of the Christian life with, among other things, liturgical practice. And on the one hand, that was deeply appealing to me because here I was this person for whom the Eucharist was really central. On the other hand, people would talk about the Eucharist in these terms, like the Eucharist is about a politics of peace or the Eucharist is about abundance and hospitality. And of course, on some level, that's true. But then I would think, yeah, the Eucharist is also about pogroms and (laughs) murder. And, and we've, we have to find a way, it seemed to me, of talking about Eucharistic practice in a way that didn't pretend this history hadn't happened. And then finally, um, you know, I've written a lot about practice myself, and maybe I should have been, I've 
since I since I sent off the final version of the book, I thought maybe I should even have been more explicit in that appendix when I review how other people talk about practices. Maybe I should have been a little more overtly self-implicating. I've published, you know, arguably two books that are part of the kind of raw, raw Richard Foster, Dallas Willard, Christian practices thing that we've all been on about for 25 years. And on the one hand, that's great. You know, I'm I'm really glad that Protestants have have recovered this category of, of, of Christian practice, but I felt like I needed to sort of critique my own, <laughs> my own sort of rosy use of the category. For, for people who haven't read the book and are listening to this, maybe just to give them a bit of context, could you give us a, a summary of what of some of the specific things that you found, particularly in your study of the Eucharist, uh, how that is related, maybe inextricably so, from, uh, from anti-Semitism? So, briefly, um, in the Middle Ages, um, the Eucharist was... I would say the the central Christian practice. It was mm-hmm. the site of religious power and spiritual connection, um, and uh, there began to be a pattern in the Middle Ages of um, Christians making false charges, uh, falsely charging a Jew in their community or in their town. Um, with stealing a Eucharistic wafer, trying to destroy the Eucharistic wafer, the Eucharistic wafer um, magically or sacramentally resisted being destroyed, um, and that was understood as being miraculous. And then, uh, so this story would get told, this false story would get told about Jews stealing and trying to destroy a consecrated Eucharistic wafer, and then that became the... um, the discursive rationale for then Christians in that community um, doing horrible acts of violence, sometimes just killing the one Jew in question, but sometimes killing the entire Jewish community, um, often burning down Jewish buildings, homes, or the synagogue, and building chapels in their place, chapels that might include um a shrine to the supposed Eucharistic miracle. Um, somewhat more complicated choreography than that summary, and and I and I summarize it in a bit more detail in in the dangers of Christian practice. Mm. So, in the book, I I offered the analogy um, of looking at late nineteenth and early twentieth century history in the U.S. South, where we see that false rape charges were used as the discursive basis for lynching. Not a perfect analogy, but just an analogy a little bit closer to our own context of people making up a story and using that false story um, as a a basis for uh, committing egregious acts of violence. So then the question emerges, is this just coincidental or is there an account that we can give that says... No, this the violence wasn't just coincidentally Eucharistic. It was actually intrinsically mm-hmm. Eucharistic. So in the book, I'm really trying to do two things. I'm trying to give three case studies of moments where a beloved and treasured Christian practice goes wrong. I look at the Eucharist, I look at intercessory prayer, and I look at baptism. But I also try to develop an account um, of how we think about damage and sin. And I suggest in the book that when 
when something is affected by sin, as everything is, even prayer and even our sacraments are touched by sin, um, that when something is damaged in the way that, that all things are because of the fall, sometimes a thing is damaged in a way that appears to be arbitrary. And sometimes things are damaged in a way um, that is about the thing itself. Um, so if I'm throwing a dinner party and an armed robber comes in and and steals someone's necklace, that the dinner party has gone wrong. It has gotten damaged, but it's gotten damaged in a way that doesn't seem to have anything really to do with the dinner party-ness of the dinner party. Yeah. Whereas if I have a dinner party and um, at the dinner party, I exclude the person who has prepared the food from joining in the meal with us, I would say there too, the dinner party is in some deep way going wrong and expressing damage on hierarchy and exclusion. But in that case, it's gone wrong in a way that is actually about the thing that a dinner party is about. So I try to look at these three case studies, Eucharist, prayer, and baptism, and say, look, of course, it's no, it's no great insight to say that sometimes things in the Christian life go wrong, and sometimes things in the Christian life that we hope will, will, will be used for good and for healing, in fact, extend damage. But more interesting than that, I think, is to ask, when, when do they go wrong in ways that are about the thing itself. So in the prayer chapter, um, we petition God for things all the time. That's what petitionary prayer is. Sometimes we're going to ask God for the wrong things. And when we ask God for the wrong things, that's a deformation, a going wrong that is about the goods of prayer getting twisted up. That was Lauren Winter. Make sure to check out her new book, The Dangers of Christian Practice. It's out now. You guys can be honest. Did I did I sound stupid in that interview? Did was it? I cl- I, I, I could I, like I could idiot? hear the white knuckles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You was, it, it was like watching a little league team, uh, you know, play in the All Star game. It was. I don't. I don't. I want to say this. I want to say this in a way that's not hurtful, but you yeah. sounded pathetic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Stay tuned. Up next. Our listener of the week. You don't want to miss it. You could be my rocket fuel on a Sunday. You could be my early morning queen. And I'm sure you could light my birthday candle. Sing me like a submarine. We don't dress for the weather. And we look perfect together. But it's temporary love, I'm sure. You're listening to Easy Life. The song is Temporary Love Part 1. Okay, it is time for our Listener of the Week. You listen to the show and it's time to get to know you. It's the Listener of the Week. Okay, Jesse, this week was a little different than normal weeks because our Listener of the Week sent us some feedback that caught our eye. That's right. That's right. So I'm normally we have people send in only three, send in three facts about yourself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, you know, and we, we choose somebody and we talk to them. This week, we have a very special guest. Her name is Erin Shea. And this might, this okay. might need to just tell you everything about her. I'm ready. This phrase is in her, her Skype name, Chick Pilot. 
Okay. Oh. Welcome to the show, Erin wow. Shay. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Shay is actually my maiden name, so I'm Erin Fagan now. Oh, so. well, there you Congratulations. go. Congratulations. Congratulations. Are you recently, recently married? Thank you. No, I just haven't changed my Twitter name. It's hard. Right. <laughs> it's hard. Right. Yeah, I get it. Aaron was listening. Aaron was listening to the show a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the fact the flat earthers out there have now theorized that Australia <gasps> That's doesn't why exist. She's here. <laughs> and, and that that Australia is made up because the flat earthers say oh, that the globe right, everything is right, right. And she said to us, if you want somebody who can tell you from their own personal experience that these destinations exist and the, the, that the earth is not flat. Definitely. I'm your, I'm your girl. Okay. I can come on the show. So okay. welcome welcome to the podcast, Aaron. This Shea. is excellent. Thank you. Thanks for having me. A- Aaron, I should say in addition to being a commercial airline pilot, you are also a veteran of the United States Air Force. Thank you for your service. That You yeah. are the, the yeah. perfectly qualified person to, to talk true. about this topic qualified. with us. Yep. And Aaron, you, I, yeah. Before we get going, do you give us your word as a pilot, as a veteran, as an American citizen and as a fan of this podcast, that everything you're about to tell us is true. I I do solemnly swear this is all true. Okay, weird. That was uh, Aaron, weird. Have you flown to Australia yourself commercially? Have you piloted that far? I have not piloted myself, but I have been to Australia and New Zealand as a passenger. Well, I see, mean, a lot of people have, but they're saying that you yeah, didn't go where you thought you were going. I needed the, na- the navigational uh, verification. But she's a okay. pro. Yeah. This, um, no, I'm, I'm already out. Sorry, Aaron. <laughs> You've ridden there. Yeah, so has everybody you, else. Do you so think she's part of the Illuminati? Do you think Aaron's been paid off? Is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah, I think she just doesn't know like everyone else just doesn't know. Oh, Aaron, Aaron what kind of planes do you fly in the Air Force? I flew trainers, P-37s and P-6s, and I also flew the B-1. Those sound awesome. I don't know what they are, but yeah, they the, sound really cool. The B-1 is a bomber, and it's the one that has the swing wing. So it's the wing. Oh, pivot. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. That is that very cool. Very okay. high-tech. That is very cool. And even cool. though I didn't fly myself to Australia, I have flown from the United States to the Middle East. So I can say that part of it was definitely... I have seen, you know, not necessarily the curvature of the earth, but not too far off. Yeah. Well, let me ask this, Aaron. How often are you ever, are you ever uh, accosted by flat earthers who want to know if, if this is all a big (laughs) hoax that you're in on? You know, I don't think I've ever been asked the question straight up when I've been in uniform, like in an airport or anything. Yeah. So I also haven't gotten the um, contrails as anything, um, you know, bad bad coming out of the aircraft when it's contrails up at high altitude either i don't know what that means yeah that's what's okay. contrails that, 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 that's a whole that's a whole nother <laughs> conspiracy, conspiracy theory for another time oh. it's, it's, it's people that believe oh, that the, everybody the, knew those but those us, trails Cam. of those trails of uh uh you know evaporation left behind are actually the government dropping chemicals on the population yeah uh, aaron yeah. i do have a question oh that I've always my gosh we never talked about that it's a big one <laughs> i haven't that's huge i haven't gotten to that hey, part of the internet enjoy yet. the rabbit hole enjoy the rabbit hole we don't have time for that right now aaron i have a question that i've always wondered about pilots sure uh, when a pilot uh, needs to use a restroom, do they just put an autopilot and just hop on out for a minute? Uh, well, there's always two pilots, at least for airline pilots. Okay. Um, so there's always somebody at the controls and um, there's never, you're never alone in the cockpit. So usually someone um, will come in and um, make sure that 
one person isn't in the cockpit by themselves ever. By someone, she means a flight attendant, not just the person in 2C. Okay. I I have a question about flight attendants, Aaron. Do you ever get annoyed by ones that have a little stand-up routine that they try before the flying take? I mean, this is your show, Aaron. You're the one who's in the Air Force. You're the one who's who's a pilot. And then you have a flight attendant out there doing a comedy hour, stealing your thunder. Does that ever get get under your skin? Thankfully, in the cockpit, usually we're doing checklists. So we don't have to listen to any flight attendants. We can basically turn off the announcements when we are focused on our own duties while they're doing theirs. Well, I'll tell I'll tell you what they're doing. They're they're workshopping a tight five minutes in front of a, a, a crowd that literally has no choice but to listen. I love it, it should so infuriate much. you. It's the yeah. worst. I love uh, it. Question for real yeah. question. I don't believe 12 you. Twelve hour flight or whatever long haul. We're all sleeping in the back. What are y'all doing? Oh, we're um, drinking our coffee. Uh, usually, I'll try to get you know sleep before um, if I'm doing a red eye, you know, an overnight flight. I appreciate um, I'll that. I'll go to bed. At, you know, noon when we're leaving at 10 or 11. So I'll get a good six hours sleep before I, we go. Are you guys just okay. staring out into a black windshield? I mean, I would just get tired. Just, you know, even if yeah, I've had sleep, it's just, like, yeah. Or are you guys watching movies? Like what's going on up there? No, not, not allowed to watch movies, not allowed to read books. We, we basically focus on, you know, the checklist. We have to monitor all the instruments and make radio calls, which are pretty constant. So, um, you know, turn up the radio real loud, make sure we're listening and paying attention. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I guess as you're flying over other, you can like talk to any airport you go by, just like, hey, we're buzzing by. Bye. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they have what's called senders. So, like the major um, cities, you'll have, you know, Chicago Center, New York Center, and they control all the high altitude planes. So, if you're up at 30,000 feet, that's a controller that's just focus on airborne aircraft they have nothing to do with the airport or anything so are you guys kind of like truckers with cb radios so much like, too, like just kind of chit-chatting with other other planes and stuff <laughs> there there's so many so. people on the radios now there's so much air traffic in the united states it's pretty much all business so um that's, that's too bad yeah. you don't fly by your friends and go, Kathy, I see you. <laughs> look up, look up. No, 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 no. Aaron, I have a question for you. I, yeah. I read a report in the, in the New York Times. It was last year. It was, it was from the, these Air Force pilots who had seen weird things up in the air and reported it. Some kind of unidentified flying things. You hear stories about airplane flights. Have you ever seen anything weird in all of your piloting? Oh, that's a great uh, question. I can't say that I have. Um, you can't you, wait, hold on, hold on. Listen to how she phrased that. I can't say I that I have uh, loud and clear. The, They're listening. I got gotcha, you, Aaron. When I was in the Air Force, I just see some really cool stuff because we use NVGs, night vision goggles. So yeah. you, you can see a lot more, you know, shooting stars and cool. um, just beautiful, like so many stars compared to what you can see with the naked eye. And so that was. Oh, I bet that's Beautiful. cool. And by yeah. stars, you mean aliens. Got it. <laughs> Loud and clear. Thank Got you it. for Understood. clearing that up. Now, one of your interesting facts you sent us, Aaron, was that you read over 100 books a year. Real talk. Yeah. How many of those are when you are piloting a plane full of people? None. I, I, I solemnly swore that I would tell the truth. So I do not read books while I'm flying. That's <laughs> it. Over 100, 100 books a year. Yeah, that's serious. That's, a, that's, a yeah, lot. that's two a week. Audiobooks help a lot with that. So when I'm walking the dog or, you know, cleaning the house, taking care of the kiddo, I, I listen to a lot of audiobooks. 
Okay, here's another question I have that I always wonder. When we're about to take off and the flight's been delayed and the pilot comes on and they say, hey, listen, we're, we're 15 minutes behind. Don't worry. I plan on making up the time in the air. Yes. Why don't you guys just floor it the whole time? Why are we only making up the time? Are you, are we, you know, why, why are we, why, what's that about? Is, is he just, is he just, is that not a real thing or is that, or do you guys like kind of throttle it back on normal flights? No, it's definitely a real thing. So the airlines these days, they're all about saving money via gas savings. So a lot of times we are flying at a little bit slower speed for best fuel burn. And so sometimes Ah. we can push it up a little bit, especially if the flight's over, you know, two hours, a couple of knots one way or the other can make a big difference over, you know, three or four hour flight. And then the Hmm. other way we can make up the time is a lot of times uh, the airlines plan in ground time. So all that taxi time and uh, they usually pad it a little bit especially in the winter, because they know you might have to de-ice or, um, you know, if there's bad weather and there's a backup to waiting to take off, usually we can make up time there as well. Man, hmm. I just love all of this. Keep going, Jesse. What else do you need to know? <laughs> uh, Aaron, I just want to ask one thing. So when you're up there and you have all these lives and you're, you are not listening to this podcast, that's right. No. no. Yeah. Please yeah. don't. I'm, I okay, do not listen you. to no, podcast. Thank you. Because I feel like Jesse would be... Jesse would be endangering people if that was the case. The level of laughter. Yeah, I agree. Okay. I just want to talk about Aaron. Have you ever flown anybody famous? Have you ever had a celeb? A celeb? (gasps) Oh, that's a great question. Um, Wiz Khalifa. I flew Wiz Khalifa to uh, Memphis in May. Um, Cool. Wow. The flight attendant said he was very nice, quiet, very nice. Um, Carl Lewis was on my plane once. Oh, oh that's wow. cool. A legend. Yeah. Oh, that's really great. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I opened the cockpit for so right going to Houston because he works with the University of Houston, I think, now. So um, that was pretty exciting. Do we know what, are you allowed to tell us what airline you work for or no? I probably shouldn't say, but it, okay. uh, it's very <laughs> easy to be uh, patriotic where I work. So, yeah, yeah, you'll never see me. You never know. I don't know. Like that one. I got you, Icelandic hair. Okay. This one always annoys me, and I want to know your perspective of the pilot. When people clap when we land, like what? Like, <laughs> do you I appreciate? Listen, Aaron, I appreciate your job, but I don't know applause. if you. I don't know. If, like, do you take the the hand cl- the, the 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 round of applause? It's a little passive aggressive. It's like these people who are standing clapping, do they expect us not to land? Like, how, what's your reception to the people who clap when you land? You know, if, if it was a challenging flight, you know, it was really bumpy or there was a lot of weather, then I just, you know, I take it as a complimenting thank you for getting us here safely. Uh, other okay. than that, I just think it's kind of funny. You know, I don't. <laughs> Can you hear it from the cockpit? No, I've been on a couple of flights as a passenger where people clapped. I've actually flown on Aeroflot, the Russian airline once yeah. in college. Yeah. And exactly. the whole overhead bin like shook as we were landing. So we, we definitely clapped when we were on the ground for that one. <laughs> See, here, here's why I'm against clapping because anything that any event that you can clap at, I think you should also be able to boo at. And I would be very, <laughs> very hesitant to be on a plane after landing and just go, boo! Just don't do either. Just don't do either. Speaking of passive aggressive, you do get some, uh, you know, passive aggressive comments about bad landings usually. Oh, sure. But uh, <laughs> you can't. Coming a little hot there, huh, Cap? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Aaron, it's great having you on. Thank you. 
And if you know anybody who's interested in flying, it's a great time to get into the industry where we're starting to have a bit of a pilot shortage. So, um, Oh, wow. If you know oh. anybody who's interested, it's a good time to get started. Can we? Okay. Can they come to you for a recommendation? Will you write there? Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You just, know, I would probably recommend that you go to the Air Force because it was a great experience for me. But uh, uh-huh. anywhere near your local, you know, smaller airports, they're a great place to get started. So. And we only ask one thing is next time you're flying over Orlando, just toot the horn. And if it's me, um, give a relevant shout out. That's right. Yeah, one one That's quick right. barrel roll. We'll know who it is. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, well, thanks Aaron. for joining us. Oh, Bye. Thanks for having me, guys. If you want to be our listener of the week uh, next week, hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast and send us three interesting facts about yourself. Love to have you on. Well, many thanks to Lauren Winter for joining us. Her new book, The Dangers of Christian Practice, is out now. Uh, definitely check it out. There's also a feature with Lauren in the new issue of Relevant, yeah. which uh, goes a little bit... Yeah, you don't want to miss that either. It's uh, it's awesome. Thanks to our sponsors for making this episode possible. Remember, Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash relevant right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. Uh, that's getquip.com slash relevant. Also, thanks to Blinkist. You can go to Blinkist.com slash relevant right now to start your seven-day free trial at Blinkist. That's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash relevant. Well, hey, uh, the new issue of Relevant uh, is out now. Tori Kelly's on the cover, Lauren Winner, and so much other great content is in the issue. You don't want to miss it. You can check it out right now at relevantmagazine.com. You can view the digital issue there. Or if you want to subscribe and get it mailed to your house, you can uh, go to relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe for a special deal. Um, we love this sport and I think you'd like the magazine. I'm excited yeah. about the issue that we're working on right now too, the March issue, which will be our 16th anniversary in print. Crazy. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Now is a great time to subscribe. And now is a great time too. Uh, if you haven't been to the site in a while, we've we've tweaked some some things design-wise. We've had a lot of a lot of buzzy content going. So uh, also be sure to check out the I site mean, if you... you're soft selling it. The, the site has been blowing up this first two weeks in January. It's been... Something yeah. to see. You guys, are, we're trying some new stuff. It's not just happenstance. I mean, it's been hard work by many members of the team, but it's been really exciting to see the connection and growth that's happening already in 2019 on the site every day. Um, hey, if you don't follow us on Twitter, follow at Relevant. Follow us on Instagram, at Relevant Magazine, and um, you won't miss uh, the content as we uh, put it out. But RelevantMagazine.com, man, these, it's, it's, it's been fun. It's been fun. It's been fun. All right. Well, I know we will wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. And here with me in the studio. And I'm Annie F. Downs. I'm Chandler Strang. That you, sound, you sounded asleep on that one, Chandler. I'm Chandler Strang. One more. I'm Chandler Strang. <laughs> <laughs> Keep all of those, please. <laughs> Chandler, pretend I am a, a, a police officer who said, what's your name, son? <laughs> right now. Right now. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Missy Carey. <laughs> now, like you're introducing yourself on us on SNL, you're hosting SNL tonight. <laughs> I'm Chandler Strang. Son, why are you walking across an intersection with a blindfold on? What's your name, sir? <laughs> and I'm Tyler Huckabee. We will see you on Friday. Have a good week, everyone.
listening to the Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from the Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. One teenager got in one car accident because she was driving with a blindfold on doing the bird box challenge. No one was even hurt. No one was even hurt. Relevant Podcast Network.